Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Hey man, what's the good word? What's going on? I am happy and upbeat this week. Yeah, you sounded hell. <laughs> no, it's actually, I feel pretty good. Aside from a bit of a sore throat, we're all fighting something, but so far we're keeping it. We're keeping it at bay. The best part about like not curling this year is not exposing myself to all the sick people. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure the two illnesses I got in the previous two winters were from. You know, close proximity to curlers breathing on you and stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I, I would, uh, honestly, I mean, if not that I really do need at least a little bit of interaction and just cabin fever, I would just close ourselves off, you know, like quarantine our home <laughs> and um, well, say, keep your viruses elsewhere. We'll we'll see you in the spring. Yeah, I've I've tried things like that and somehow they still sneak in, but... Winter, uh, not going too bad, you know, uh, a little more upbeat than I thought I'd be. The days are noticeably longer already, so that's That's cool. It's been below zero here the past couple nights, but still not like it was when I was a kid. We used to get a week of nights that would go below zero, 10, 20 below. Mm -hmm. You know, they tickled like minus 12 yesterday and maybe minus five, but then it's going to warm right up again, so. It It doesn't seem to get quite that cold. Here in Saginaw, at least not this year, we we hit zero a few times. I don't know if we actually went below zero, but not much below if we did. So, yeah. So what's uh, what's what happened in the news since we were gone? Lance Armstrong went on Oprah Winfrey and uh, basically confessed to all. Yeah, I haven't I uh, haven't read a transcript or heard the interview, but uh, apparently he was pretty forthright. Although there's a lot of uh, back and forth about like implicating the 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 like you were talking about earlier, the testing process and the testing organizations and all that. I don't know all the details about that. Well, I think there's a lot to come out yet still. But um, basically, you know, for me, the interview was kind of over after the first two minutes. She said, I'm going to ask you five or six yes or no questions. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to answer yes or no. Did you dope in all your tours? Did you do uh, EPO? Did you do this drug? Did you do that drug? Did you use this technique? Did you use that technique? And he answered yes to all of them. So for me, after five minutes, the interview was over. Right. The rest, the, the the rest of the two hours and twenty five minutes, you know, which they were going to show across two consecutive nights mm-hmm. on her on her channel, were all going to probably be about him making excuses, excuses, and looking and for sympathy. Rationalizations. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did watch both segments, so I did watch all two and a half hours. Wow. But yeah. Now I'm I'm it's hard to know what exactly to think. I mean, I honestly don't quite know what to think about him anymore cuz you know, you could shoot me up with all that crap and I wouldn't be able to win the Tour de France. So he's Well, he's a better athlete than you and I yeah. will ever be, but still. So, I mean, he still he did something, you know, he did something that's worthwhile and worthy of of respect, but certainly he tainted it pretty severely. So, I don't, Well, I don't I'm know. not I'm not willing to give him any slack. I'm tired of wealthy people never having to pay or elites never having to pay concerts. Consequences. So mm-hmm. if he were to lose all his millions and go to jail for a year and then have to flip burgers for the rest of his life, I'd be a, I'm not I'm not even kidding. I would be no, okay with that. I'm, no, I'm, I'm completely I, I, sick of elites never having to fucking pay consequences. 
Right. Well, so should has did any of the things he uh, he did actually rise to like the level of crimes he could be charged for and actually serve jail time? I don't really understand that part. Oh yeah, I think so. Uh, especially in Europe, if you're caught with drugs, like in your room mm-hmm. and stuff like that, yeah, you can do jail time with uh, you know sports uh, sports enhancing drugs. Mm. I just some of these uh, stuff, some of these things they were shooting up or whatnot. It's not like they're in this sort of weird gray area. Like they're maybe not scheduled. They're not narcotics necessarily. They're no, not but they are drugs. illegal substances. And in Europe, they they take it a little more seriously than we do here. Yeah, I guess illegal if if they're not prescribed or something or even if they are maybe yeah and then there's the whole issue of just lying under oath and all that which he probably did and he's got some answering to do so i mean you know this has yet to unfold but uh i may have said this before but for me the biggest crime was that he lied to like millions if not tens of millions of cancer patients you know there's a lot of people who believed in him you know, and I'd like to think he didn't fake his cancer. All the thing, donations but, uh, to his organization and all the people who really got into that Livestrong promotions and whatnot. It, it is. It's Yeah. Well, anyway, we got a big show. You want to jump right in and do tune number one? Yeah. Can we mention uh, uh, just up front the uh, the homework you gave me? Well, I gave everybody the homework, right? Yeah. I mean, we gave everybody homework. Well, repeat the, but just mention that uh, that you asked uh, people to watch uh, if they hadn't already seen it, Big Bang Theory in preparation. Well, and I wanted for... them to read that blog post, uh, and now I can't remember the name of the blog, <laughs> but well, the, uh, I linked the entry to it. On... It's called the problem with the Big Bang Theory. But yeah, he wrote a lot about uh, his perspective about uh, the Big Bang Theory and how he sees it as offensive to geeks. So I wanted everybody to read that, and most people have probably seen Big Bang Theory, so they probably didn't need to um to uh to go into that too deeply but uh yeah let's do uh let's do a first tune and then uh that'll be our main topic yeah and uh yeah we have some other surprises after the song too but anyway uh, let's check it out cool It's for 
Beautiful song there by Marion Call called Aurora Borealis. That is beautiful. I was reading the lyrics and trying to make sense of it, but really it's kind of a, a poetic thing, and then a lot of it's just sort of wordless singing too, but it, it it's very pretty. It reminds me of like some kind of an old English melody or something. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing myself, you know, just very beautiful. It almost sounds like a medieval madrigal or something, you know, inspired. Yeah, she really um, show, showcases her singing ability too. Yeah, there's a lot of great, great, uh, the, the talent that she has is really displayed in a song like that quite a bit. Uh, she does live in Alaska now, and one of my favorite TV shows ever was Northern Exposure, and they had a, <laughs> yeah. an episode called Aurora Borealis, which is one of typically a fan favorite. But uh, Cool. Yeah, so we did uh, ask people to uh, read the blog and watch a little uh, Big Bang Theory if they haven't watched any Big Bang Theory. And I actually encouraged one of our British listeners, I just out of the blue, I saw him post on Twitter that he had watched Big Bang Theory. So I asked him to submit some audio feedback, and 20 minutes later, it was in my email. <laughs> Excellent. I couldn't believe how quickly he was. So anyway, his name is Patrick. He's uh, from UK, lives in London, and let's listen. It's probably about a minute and a half or two minutes long, so let's listen to what Patrick has to say. Uh, hi there, this is Patrick from the other side of the Atlantic, long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm sending this in response to your call for opinions about the show The Big Bang Theory. Uh, I've never seen an episode of The Big Bang Theory before tonight, um, but I know that quite a few people whose opinion I respect, as well as a few people, a few other people, have told me that it's very good, so I was a bit bored after work and decided to give an episode a shot. I know that the specific question you asked was, is it offensive to geeks? And I'm, I'm not sure about that. I consider myself a geek and I didn't find it offensive but it certainly used geek culture in a way that wasn't exactly complimentary. 
I mean, I was a bit uncomfortable with the jokes where the punchline was essentially, hey, isn't it funny that these guys know everything about Star Trek or physics or whatever? On the other hand, they made just as much fun of the um, the so-called non-geek characters. Uh, so I think it, when shows make fun of both sides, it's sort of fair game, really. Uh, I'm not usually a fan of American sitcoms, at least non-animated ones. And the Big Bang Theory suffered in the way that many of them do. Uh, I'm a writer myself, and I thought the script was actually quite sharp, unusually. Um, and in particular, the character of Sheldon was quite interesting and strangely likeable. Uh, the problem was that any subtlety in the writing was destroyed by the American sitcom cliches. The bright brass sets, the attractive casts, dressing down. Um, and worst of all for me, the really distracted audience laughter that kind of punctuated every single line and that actually made it quite painful for me to watch I think it makes a really interesting comparison with something like Spaced uh, a really great British sitcom about geeks um, which is written by geeks and filled with loving references to sci-fi and horror that just add a depth to everything um, there's no audience laughter, it's cinematically directed and the characters are people that you end up really caring about Interestingly, Spaced was actually remade as an American pilot and totally destroyed in the process. And I think for once the Brits should remake an American show and see how it works the other way around. I actually think the Big Bang Theory might be a good place to start. So Patrick has quite a bit to uh, to say about Big Bang Theory. He does. Um, Those were great comments, I thought. They were. My only issue with his criticism is that he's seen exactly one episode, and then later in the day when we had spoken about it a little more, he had seen his second episode. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have to... Uh, and he said a lot of it was kind of a gut feeling, a lot of the things that he had to say about it. But, I mean, I you know, he wasn't offended, right? He wasn't offended right, like the right. guy in the uh, the blog post was, but he he had probably the classic issues that all British people have with American TV shows. You know? <laughs> well, I, I have to say, I learned about this show, Spaced, and I'm going to have to look that up and see if I can find what that's like because I'm curious now. And also, yeah, I'm uh, curious about I, that too. I, I think the idea of a of a BBC remake, I I kind of like that idea. I. I don't know if you saw the British version of The Office and compared it to the American version, but I think uh, I would say the the British version was a lot funnier. But uh, that's just me, my taste. No, I didn't see that. I didn't see that, so I can't really comment on that. Well, let me see. Let me start by saying uh, my biggest issue with the blog post. And that mm. is, for me, when I read that blog post uh, piece, The Trouble with Big Bang Theory, all I see when I when I read that is more of him commenting about himself than about the Big Bang Theory. Uh, You know, I don't mean to be critical here or anything. Hopefully he's listening to this actually. Maybe a trackback or something will lead him to our blog. But um, Hmm. it just seems to me like, you know, he may have been a bullied guy and, uh, you know, he's still not over it, basically. And I don't mean to sound like a a callous, dismissive idiot going, get over it, move on, you know, but get over it, move on, you know, and if... We should just clarify, what he's talking about specifically is basically this feeling that uh, Big Bang Theory, that not the actors or the characters per se, but the writers, really... Are He's really accusing on, the writers and the production staff of picking on geeks. Yeah. Are picking on geeks in a way that's unsavory. And, We're laughing at them and not with them. And not with them. And basically asking the audience to identify with the, uh, I guess, more neurotypical 
uh, character, you could say Penny, who is condescending and and looks down at, like as if the uh, the nerdy physicist characters were an alien species, you know. Well, and in the beginning, that's probably true. But right. when I see when I the more I read his blog post and his criticism, you know, I could actually relate to what he was saying, but yeah, I just yeah. don't feel the same way. Because look, you were probably bullied; I was bullied. Yeah, and, and I, I have just, a lot of his traits too, my like my OCD traits and whatnot. You know, uh, so are you talking about the guy in the blog or the or Sheldon? Well, like uh, both. The guy in the blog is saying, you know, he alphabetizes his DVDs and yeah, watches them yeah. on a schedule. I mean, I don't do exactly that, but I have my own obsessions and my own obsessions of traits and whatnot. So, I mean, I can sympathize with him. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, I'm going to just, you know, spell it all out. And, and, and here's what I have to say to the person who wrote that blog article. Uh, I mean, and I do have criticisms of Bing Bang Theory, which we can talk about in a bit. But th- what I would say to the person who wrote that blog piece is that, I mean, if you're st- if this show makes you feel bad about yourself, you need to get some work done on yourself. I mean, it's just a sitcom. It's just a TV show. If you're still letting the bullies who bullied you in whatever grade decide what TV mm-hmm. shows you can watch, then— Without, without feeling offended— or with or or feeling bad about yourself. I mean, then that yeah. means you're still letting them make choices for you, and they still have an impact on your life. And you know what? Fuck them. They were just assholes. Mm. And you need to get the counseling you need to move on. I mean, that's the ac- absolute frankest way I would put it. You know. Well, that, I, th- I think that's pretty frank. I mean, uh, I guess I, I would sticking right now to just this idea that that they're essentially bullying geek characters. I, I would say I would want to divide this kind of issue in a, in half. First of all, I would say that as far as I'm concerned, making fun of someone's like uh, taste in books or comics or clothes or activities or TV shows or whatnot, as far as I'm concerned, that's perfectly okay. And like, it is you know, a sitcom. There has yes. to be some calm. It has right, to make right. fun of something. But like they make fun of these nerds that uh, I should, I mean, there used to be a kind of a distinct distinction between geeks and nerds i guess these are he calls himself a nerd i call myself a geek yeah but um but making fun of someone who's a diehard star trek fan for their obsession with star trek and also mocking star trek itself i mean i don't see anything wrong with that culture is tough enough all of these things are, are tough enough to take some mockery and criticism and if you're a fan of something you should be able to defend it and i don't know even I think I would hope that even diehard like Star Trek fans have enough of a sense of humor to understand that a lot of those shows are goofy and and bad sometimes. You know, it's not. Oh yeah, some of them are horrifyingly bad, and yeah. you know, Bill Shatner's horrifically overly melodramatic acting style has been lampooned for forty years now, as it should be. Well, why don't? So you went out and bought like uh, season one on DVD of of Big Bang Theory, and I you did. watched six or eight episodes with your wife. Six and your episodes, kids, which, and then I watched a couple episodes of season six as well. So, so you've watched, uh, eight, you know, half a dozen episodes 10. of season one, and it, so tell me just your initial impression of season one. Uh, what, tell me what you told me online. Okay, well, the the first impression was, as soon as the actors came out onto the set, was, why are these actors playing geeks as effeminate gay men? 
And actually, that really offended me because not because I would be offended if they were gay somehow, but I, it felt like they were saying, if you're a nerd, you're also an, an effeminate, closeted gay man. And I don't think they intended that, but I think they just didn't like have a good way of like they were casting around for some way to play socially inept nerd and they came up with gay. And actually, so that made me think that it was kind of a homophobic portrayal, really. And apparently, I mean, that could be a poor directorial choice or a poor actor's choice. Right. You know? And actually, if I see them now, like I look ahead to season six, like Leonard's character, you know, is uh, he plays him a little less effeminate. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with effeminate gay men. Or I'm just saying, if you're going to have a character act that way, then it would make you know that character should be openly gay, or should you know, or or that should be part of that character. But don't equate geek with. I mean, in in the language of the high school bullies, don't equate geek with fag. You know, I mean. That's, so what was your? You said something that I thought was interesting about the three characters who were something, and then the one character who wasn't, and what was that? Oh, it was actually my favorite character, the one I thought was most uh, realistic, uh, and maybe you don't won't get this, but was Raj. I actually really liked Raj. But you also Raj. said he was the one who was played not so much. He as was played the- not, not so effeminate. Even though he's soft-spoken and not a macho character, he seemed actually the one that was like uh, most comfortable with his... Uh, sexuality, which in his case is not, you know, nervous inability to even speak to women up close. And, and that sort of surprised me because I'm not even sure I've seen a lot of season one. And when I see them on, in syndication, I don't know what seasons they are. So, yeah. But you know, when you told me that, I was totally shocked because in later seasons, Raj is the guy that they seem to be making the most effeminate. And, and and maybe they're just trying to say he's really in touch with his feminine side because he puts on a Catwoman costume in one episode and he's like, <laughs> I feel so empowered. Well, I'd like to see more of Raj. I mean, you might make a case that they were making fun of his Indian heritage, but he kind of makes fun of his own Indian heritage. And I, I well, don't Every know. Indian person I know makes fun of their own Indian I know, Indian and, and I've, being a software engineer having worked in various large you know companies i've bumped into and worked elbow to elbow with a number of of indians who are here in the us on you know i guess what is it called h1 visas or something like that and i think thought his portrayal was pretty pretty dead on of, of the of that like character but um so i i like raj but i, I think he's just more comfortable with with who he is you know i don't know well, you you sort of uh, intimated that they were making the three white guys, Leonard, uh, Sheldon, and uh, Howard, uh, yeah. sort of as closeted gay men. And you know, later on, as the show evolved, right. one of them is married, and they all, the other two have girlfriends, and one is probably on the way to being married. So, you know, your initial impression of that was really kind of shocking to me because I guess I didn't see those early episodes, and they don't play it like that at all anymore. And of course, it's the show so. will it's evolve. Certainly, a lot less so now. In season six at least the the ones i saw so. yeah and i think the characters are, are finding themselves the writers are finding themselves you know right but the the actual question of is it offensive and i didn't i i guess i probably already did answer this but indirectly i don't find the show offensive at all i mean as i said on a the show where i assigned the homework the show gets eight 8.6 out of 10 on mm. the IMDb scale. And that's as high as you're going to get without being the godfather or some yeah. ridiculously universally accepted, 
master work of art, you know? And well, what, are none of those people geeks that, that clicked on that, that poll on I, the Internet Movie Database? I don't know. I, I see the issue of whether it's offensive to nerds as being kind of secondary because it just seemed to me like actually – well, I think the, the, the way they like portray like Penny – as as you know i mean just skipping whether it's unrealistic or not that this woman who makes minimum wage at a cheesecake factory you, you, know, you know what she makes she talks about making minimum wage several oh, okay. times i don't but, recall that All right. and you know one of her co-workers at the cheesecake factory is talking about putting herself through grad school with a phd in uh, molecular biology or something by working part-time at the cheesecake factory so like you've got to say just write that off and say all right these are supposed to be like aspirational characters like friends who supposedly have you know they they get enough money from somewhere to live this lifestyle right and to to have this fine apartment or whatnot but just ignoring that aspect of it, what it hinges at for like whether – let's just focus on Sheldon for a minute. Um, for me, it's like, okay, if – let's say that Sheldon, instead of being intellectually super gifted, was intellectually disabled, like couldn't actually function on his own, and also had the OCD qualities, like he had to sit in that one spot on the couch, he had to rearrange Penny's furniture, you know, every once in a while he'd go off the rails mentally and need his mom to come out and take care of him. If he were intellectually disabled, it would not be okay to make fun of his OCD, to make fun of uh, him going off the rails and, you know, needing to hide out in his bedroom or whatnot. That kind well, of, and, that would and it not still be okay. might not. It still might not be okay because I think he's on the Asperger spectrum, and if if anyone is, right. he is, and he's a super Aspie. Right. But I mean, my wise guy response to you would be: if my aunt had a penis, she'd be my uncle. He's not <laughs> intellectually disabled. But is so, it okay? Even so, is it okay to make fun of those traits? I mean, does that really hinge on whether he meets the criteria for you know? Like they they say, well, I mean, will the writers tell us? No, he's actually been tested, and he doesn't have he doesn't meet the clinical definition of Asperger's, which I doubt if he were a real person that would be true. Well, but where they, did they so say they, that? Did, I thought you told me that they had mentioned in the show. No, that they he they didn't. had him. They had the big joke is that my mother had me tested. I'm not crazy. He says that one or two times. Oh, a I'm season not, when I'm he, not crazy. Well, yeah, he I, I he says know. that. It just seems like. It's on the verge because they they yeah, sometimes that is probably portray borderline. They sometimes portray him very sympathetically. Like I was happy to see that when he like lost his job and went off the rails a bit and started just doing his obsessive science stuff at home, like he was cooking scrambled eggs to try and find the perfect scrambled eggs, invented a glow in the dark fish, and started weaving Peruvian like handcrafts and whatnot. Uh, his friends called his mom, and she came out. And uh, there were some scenes where they were, you know, he was basically hiding out in his room and wouldn't come out. And he would eventually slowly come out and they'd say, you know, don't don't look at him. He's like a, a deer. You don't want to spook him. And that was very funny. But the way his mom was actually there to help him and succeeded in getting him back on track was kind of touching, too. So I, I didn't I didn't really mind that. But I do mind it if they're going to take his OCD traits uh, the ways in which he's, uh, whether you call it ill or, or what, the ways in which he's different or disabled or ill and, and really mock that. So I do mind that, but I don't mind it very much because making fun of Sheldon and whatnot, you're punching up at some some college professors who, you know, have 
PhDs and earn a ton of money. Yeah, from an anthropological perspective, they're the earners, the people who can earn. Right. You, know, you, were, you were making a really an anthropological argument. We were talking about this a couple days ago. Well, here's, here's the issue that I have with the show. Okay, I think it's funny. When I was at Convergence, uh, there was a whole panel uh, hosted by a guy who got to go to one of the shows and be in the live studio audience. That's uh-huh. not canned laughter. They may add some extra canned laughter. Sure. But that's an actual audience filled with geeks laughing at uh, Sheldon's OCDs. Well, okay, are, so, are they geeks? I, I don't really understand well, again, who the audience the, is for this Out of show. all the people who voted on the IMDb, a significant percent. A significant percentage of them are probably geeks, wouldn't you say? I mean, well, I we guess, don't know but, what the real percentage is, but believe me, uh, there has to be a, a, a well, significant the, okay, percentage. Okay, they were, they were computer users. I guess that's true, but the, the fact remains, I don't really understand who the audience is for this show. Because I was kind of bored with it and sick of it after a few episodes. And uh, if people are watching this who seem to be, it seems to be the case that Penny is like the the uh, the aspirational character, the audience character, they call it like the Mary Sue, the person the audience can identify with. And if if that's the case, uh, I'm not sure why they would like the show so much to see her mocked and belittled in this well, way. All the geeks that I know watch it and enjoy it. I definitely think it's marketed, you know, uh, mm. for geeks. But so here's really the the issue that I have with the show. Right? I think they need to embrace the fact. I say Sheldon is on the Asperger spectrum. He's a super oh, sure. Aspie. Yeah. He has all of those traits to the nth degree. You know, to the millionth degree that Aspies have. But they have never used the word Asperger's spectrum or right, right. you know autistic spectrum on the show ever. And maybe if they did that, they would feel that they couldn't make the jokes anymore because then they would be mocking somebody with some sort of condition. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. other complaint with the show is, uh, y- you know, you, you've only seen a few of the shows, so uh, you, you, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. You probably haven't seen Leonard's mother yet, right? She's some sort of psychiatrist. No, who, no, who she's a Leonard's very cold, father. frigid woman who comes to visit and tortures Leonard and psychoanalyzes him in front of the friends and then psychoanalyzes the friends. And she uh-huh. once looked at Raj and Howard and said... Um, she mentioned something about them having an ersatz homosexual relationship, and then the next, the next time she visited, she said, "So, you, have you guys consummated your homosexual relationship yet?" Okay, well, so what? As you point out, so what if the characters are gay? In 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 Raj, they're constantly dressing him up in women's superhero costumes, and he's constantly saying things like, "I feel so empowered." Uh, I think he's just well. Uh, as if we're talking about the characters as if they were real people but he's i actually still see him as the least the least gay of the characters yeah but you haven't seen any of these things that i'm talking right. about so i think they're playing him more as the effeminate guy as opposed to the other three who now have girlfriends and or are married mm. but so what why can't why, why can't they just pick raj's sexuality it's 6 seasons in and why can't they pick it and embrace it and if it is bisexual or if it is gay embrace it and i mean it's the same reason that Mulder and scully never like kissed uh, until you know really got together until like the very end of the x-files which is if they kill that ambiguous sort of tension going on it's one of the things that that people think makes the show interesting so that's i don't know why. i'm i'm not so sure about that i think it might be more of an american television stigma just with homosexuality in general maybe, you know maybe but um, i, I, but know, I know that's still true but i mean i look i was on the asperger spectrum for years and didn't know yeah, it. You, yeah you were saying that most people uh who might be on the spectrum, at least mildly, may not really have a clear idea. Yeah, and that's why I think they're doing a disservice to uh, a lot of geeks, because a lot of Mm. people with these geeky personalities are probably 
uh, to some degree on the spectrum. At the curling club last year, uh, I was curling with this w- one woman, and she is completely oblivious to the fact that her neurotype is really, and people think she's weird. Yeah. And uh, so if she's not on the Asperger spectrum, nobody is. And But, you know, so I, I, I go to Convergence, and I see all kinds of these people. And I think a show like uh, the Big Bang Theory should embrace this and actually address it. So maybe and it actually has, like, you know, MASH was socially moment. relevant and Roseanne was was uh, socially relevant. So maybe this show could actually be socially relevant and helpful to people. It could be more socially relevant because yeah, I think yeah. if when I became aware that I was Asperger's, I started to belabor points less because mm-hmm. the point at which I think I'm belaboring a point <laughs> is an hour after which right, everybody right. else thinks I'm belaboring yeah. a point. So I've sort of throttled back right. uh, in a I lot mean, of discussions. I, honestly, I don't understand why my friends who saw The Hobbit don't want to talk about uh, the dwarves in, in, indefinitely. So, so yeah, I'm yeah, with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's my problem with the show. I think they do have lots of little love letters to geek in there and little mm-hmm. references that geeks are going to mm-hmm. love and uh, it doesn't offend me and I think anybody who is offend actually offended by the show is probably a little overly sensitive and you know needs to relax a little I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't say I was offended I would just say that I was hoping I was expecting a little more and again I don't quite understand who the audience is because it seems just like the setup like friends where these characters aren't going anywhere they're mostly just uh, still living like their college students, like uh, in the f- in the first few shows, they were at a party and talking about, hey, the thing to say at a party was, am I wasted or what? And of course, people were getting wasted at the party and hooking up. And it's so their culture is all about like getting wasted and hooking up. And they're in their, these characters have to be in their 30s now. And they're college professors. And really, there's like, so how, who is this aspirational for? Like, there's no, uh, there, there's no, there's nothing more to look forward to in your 20s and 30s and whatnot than getting wasted and hooking up. I, I, I don't get it. So, well, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, Freud. <laughs> and sometimes this is just stupid, mindless comedy that's meant to be uh, a distraction and to be laughed at. But I think it could be more. It could be more. I, I think we're in agreement on that. And in fairness to the show, I will say this to you and I will say this to Patrick, our, our English friend who yeah. lives near Wembley Stadium in London. Um it, I think it's a great show, and I think you would get into it more uh, if you watch more episodes. And I honestly, you know, you didn't have enough time, as far as I'm concerned, to do the homework because you would need right. to do, buy more episodes, and you, it might not have been worth it to you ultimately. But you know, seeing eight episodes isn't really enough, and I think there is something in this show that you would like down the road. And it, you know, you see I, an arc to it where you 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 see character development in that, and you oh, see definitely. that as a positive, interesting thing, right? Yeah, and I, well, I that, think that it is a love be. letter to geeks, and it might not be as much as that the show be. that Patrick referenced, but I think there is something. Here here and i think it is funny and i think the characters do develop and you know i would just say uh you need to uh you need to watch a you know watch a little more i will watch a little more but i I will also say that that i i think patrick would say that like as something american sitcoms do that british ones don't as american sitcoms kind of set up a premise and then hammer it into the ground and British sitcoms usually have fewer seasons and often will just will, will well, wind fewer up. Episodes. Yeah, yeah, fewer episodes, fewer seasons, and they will change dramatically and they will wind up a dramatic arc and just shut down the show. Whereas yeah. as long as yeah. an um, American show, as long as they're uh, still ratings. getting ratings and sponsors and whatnot, they'll hammer it on and on. And so yeah. 
six seasons of Big Bang Theory. I don't know. I'll watch some more. But uh, uh, it is funny. I laugh quite a few times at the jokes and the gags here and there. But uh, I was it was still it was not a, not what I was hoping for. Yeah. Well, you so. want to jump into two number two? Let's jump into two number two. All right. Let's check it out. Like skin, pray for evenings in. Hold their hands in the street when you walk them off to school. A box too full to shut, a cardboard paper cut, the bleeding edge of a picture of your parents when they were cool. So much to say, I forget to start. There goes a day fading as it passes. Forget the gray, let it fall apart. It's okay, I like you in glasses. Shovels in the sand, Plato wedding band, drowning princess in a tangle of towels on the floor. An old familiar ache, little pills we take. Kindness of a coffee cup waiting by the door. So much to say, I forget to start. There goes a day fading as it passes. Forget the gray, let it fall apart. It's okay. It's on the porch. Someone's been double booking. I've got time. Space. The radiators and the floorboards will argue while we sleep. There's water in the walls, the stairs make waterfalls. Down in the basement, the soft sound of a river digging deep. So much to say, I forget to start. There goes a day fading as it passes. Forget the gray. Cool tune by Jonathan Colton, kind of up-tempo, almost pop-punk-ish. Yeah, this is from his uh, his latest album called Artificial Heart. It's uh, The song is called Glasses. And uh, I do and dig I like uh, chicks and glasses. I, I've had, had many female friends who lamented <laughs> when they had to get glasses, and I'm like, hey, I think glasses on chicks look hot. I just saw a gag with Penny on Big Bang Theory where she put on glasses, these like uh, fake lensless glasses, and... Um, uh, what's his name was so excited. Leonard, Leonard uh, was so yeah. excited he had to uh, like drag her into the bedroom immediately. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, and they and they what they do watch videos. I don't know exactly. Uh, so speaking of Jonathan Colton, there's been a big scandal lately in uh, in the media where uh, the TV show Glee apparently borrowed his cover of uh, what's the song? Uh, Baby got back. I like big butts. 
Yep, and I cannot lie. Yeah, so he did a real musical cover of this with an actual melody and a harmony, which right. most rap music doesn't have. Well, yeah, the the original's a rap song with, with all samples that sampled like some other songs and whatnot, and was mostly uh, a rap. And uh, the original artist, uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot. And uh, Colton uh, paid for the rights through the, this uh, this um, rights agency to release a cover of that song. And he came up with a melody and sang it and recorded a bunch of instrumental backing tracks, including banjo and mandolin and um, guitar. And it's, it's very distinctive. Uh, and uh, Glee decided that they... Apparently they do this a lot. They take people's arrangements of covers and sort of reuse them on the grounds that it's a cover, and so the the uh, artist who uh, who did the rearrangement doesn't really have a lot of rights to it, copyright per se. But in this case, it, it appears that that um, Glee actually took Colton's karaoke track or his song itself and canceled the vocal and used that as the backing and then just added vocals over it. And so that's in dispute, but it's actually tonight, I think, Glee is supposed to air, and we want to see if this happens and if uh, if they give him any credit whatsoever. Yeah, and I, as a guy who works kind of in the music business and who used to work next door to a company that was a small punk rock record label, I'm ashamed I, to say I don't really know what the legalities of this are. Yeah, it's a little I mean, complicated, it, I think. You know, you you sent me a link to a web a blog post or a, a news, you know, um, Wired or something where they were uh, talking about it, and they had the two videos up there, and they are identical. I mean, there's just no way of getting around right, it, and right. they probably did use Colton's tracks. I mean, I'm, unless yeah. he wants to pay me seventy five dollars an hour to do some forensic audio, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But um, I did I'm pretty some certain- forensic audio, and there are some. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not an expert. I don't have any training in this. I'm just a hobbyist. But there's a bit in his original song where they replace an f bomb with a duck quacking sound, where he, where he did that. And so, in other words, where where he would uh, where Frontalot sang an f bomb or spoke an f bomb, he uh, he uses a duck quack sound. And if you listen really closely to Fox's track and EQ it and zoom in. Uh, you can hear where they tried to EQ out uh, that sound and then sang over it because they didn't want that. But it, like the the ghost of it is still there. You can hear it very faintly, and that's pretty much a smoking gun. There are a couple other smoking guns too. Like the just listening is enough of a smoking gun. But if you needed yeah, something, that was a huge one. If you needed something pretty clear, that said this was his track. I think that's it. But uh, it's so the question is apparently Glee does this with artists who release uh, covers that they like, but usually what they do is they just re record them. They, they re record them using this, the other artist's arrangement of, of the original song. And, and so, you know, you can, I don't know legally exactly where that stands. If you do another arrangement, of a song as a cover without getting permission to get arrangement credit somehow or whatnot, you may not have a copyright on the arrangement. But I am pretty sure that he has copyright on the actual file, his actual recording of his performance. And yeah, so, I think this is going to open a lot of interesting legal doors and, and yeah. a lot of legal questions. And I'm actually interested to know how it plays out. But regardless of whether Glee, um, I mean, if Glee didn't cover it, 
his life would have gone on as usual. If right. Glee does cover it and they don't pay him, his life will go on as usual, except he's probably doubled the amount of Twitter followers he has <laughs> now, and his ship came in. So the fact, even if he doesn't get a dime from Even if Fox, he doesn't get paid, he will get publicity for it at this oh, point. Oh, the publicity yeah. is huge. This was the best yeah. thing that ever happened to him. Hey, Glee, if you want to rip off one of the tunes that I engineer and put me on the map as a producer, go ahead. You know? <laughs> well, I, I hope so, except that it seems to me that like uh, maybe the audience for Glee and the audience like online who, who knows Colton through his uh, his shows and his concerts and his sort of nerdy music and whatnot, they may not really intersect. Yeah, but, but that that's, doesn't matter. But because so that's why I when Wired play. covers you, which is a blog magazine, yeah, you know, not everybody in Wired knew Jonathan Colton before that's this, true. but they so are in, they are in, likely going to like him. Yeah, when there's they, actually enough people online to to make his career already. That's happening and has happened. I mean, he's actually pretty successful now. He's not a totally struggling artist, and one of the ways he became successful at this was not through selling his songs on his website which he does uh because that that pulls in you know some money but it's it's not enough to live on but one of the things he's done is uh is write songs for video games a couple times and those have been big hits and he's probably made more money through those uh video game licenses than he has through most of his other uh song sales i think yeah well we'll we'll have to see where it goes i'm kind of excited about it but uh so I guess that's a show, man. I guess that's a show. Sorry to ramble on so long about that, but there it is. There you go. So uh, check us out on the web, www.bloodyveg.com. Send us feedback, feedback at bloodyveg.com. Send us voicemail at 206-376-0397 or send us an email of an MP3 file, whatever you want. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Take care.